Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey everybody, it's another day to change the world. So today's guest and I talk about employer branding. And employer branding is essentially a way for you to position your company in an effective way that attracts and improves your talent acquisition. And considering the fact that we spend most of our lives in some workplace or some place of employment, it's very important for leaders and people in positions of hiring to understand what they need to do to ensure that the environment that they they cultivate for people to work in are safe and also uh, inclusive. And so we talk about these sort of things with uh, with Mr. Sunberg here. It was pretty impressive, his background. And I really, really hope that you all can benefit from this, especially if you're a CEO and if you are someone that is aspiring to be a leader of people. Hope you enjoyed the episode. And I just want to answer a question that was asked to me earlier. Someone sent me an email asking me this, so I figured I'd answer it here. My favorite superhero of all time is Superman, and my favorite athlete of all time is LeBron James. There you go. Keep sending me questions. Keep sending me things you want to know, and I'll answer them sometimes on the podcast, or I'll send you a response via email or on Twitter or on Instagram. I love talking to you all. I love interacting. And I'm always grateful for you to have stayed with me for the past, you know, four years that we've been doing this. Love you all. Take a listen. In a world where very few people embrace their global identity and seek to understand their neighbors, cross-cultural expert Tayo Roxon is on a mission to bridge this divide. Each week, he'll open your mind with insights from some of the global minds in the world. Get ready, take some notes, and learn how to be the best you that you can be. Welcome everybody to another episode of As Told by Nomads, and today's episode is with Jorgen Sundberg, and Jorgen is an amazing just thought leader in the whole space of employer branding and employee advocacy. You know, he's published a book titled Employee Advocacy, The Ultimate Handbook, and he's consulted with the likes of, you know, multinationals uh, from ranging from the U.S. here to Europe, um, where he's currently based. And a lot of times when we live and exist in a world today, we understand that we work for most of our lives. If we're not in school, we're either in work. And how then can you make sure that you position your company if you're a CEO as one that attracts people from all, all backgrounds? And how can you become someone that you know feels happy to be his or herself in your company if you're going to be uh, in, in, a, you know, in the place that, in, um, in essence, represents you outside uh, of the family? So we're talking about ways to become better at recruiting and also uh, some of the talent acquisition trends, insights, and some of his thoughts and opinions as he's been a thought leader in the space. 
welcome to the, to the podcast, Jorgen. Uh, Jorgen. Yeah, thank you, Ty. <laughs> thank, you, thank you so much for having me. It's an absolute pleasure. Pleasure is mine. In, right off the bat, there's a similar uh, connection we have. You know, you're Swedish, and I, I said my, mm-hmm. I used to live in Sweden. My younger brother, the middle one, actually was born in Sweden. Stockholm, uh-huh. and uh, and it, it was funny. We were talking earlier when when I saw your email. I was like, I need to reach out to him because I listen to his podcast, and I think there'll be a good fit. So I think it's interesting how the world works sometimes. Yeah, well, I am originally from Sweden, uh, uh, from uh, from Stockholm, in fact. Okay, uh, just a, <laughs> just a, a beautiful place. Uh, however, I've been based over here in London for the last fifteen years. And uh, I, I know you've got a, a multinational background as well, and sometimes it's hard to put your finger on. Um, yeah. you, you know, am I British? Am I Swedish? Or am I a Londoner? I don't know really. But uh, <laughs> oh, I can definitely relate. That's that's why a lot of people in the podcast listen to podcasts. Uh, how to effectively connect across cultures. But uh, let's start off with mm-hmm. you. How did you? What was your? You know, what was young Jorgen like? And then how did you sort of get down this uh, this path that you're in right now, where you're doing? Amazing things in the in, in the employer branding space. Gosh, young Jorgen, well, this is like a therapy session now. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I think just uh, you know the average upbringing. Actually, I went to to the US for a year in high school. I did an exchange year, which uh, was great fun. Uh, it's in uh, Virginia, and um, so I, I think that allowed me to to see see the the world in a, in a different perspective. So I always knew that I wanted to work on something uh, something global, something with an international perspective. And uh, when I finished university in Stockholm, I, I did one year of uh, working uh, in finance there. But then I thought, no, screw this. So I need to I need to do something more challenging. So uh, I moved to London and um, was looking for just a um, any any job in sales. Really, that's that was my plan. And I um, ended up in recruitment, as many people do. I didn't realize it was more of a yeah. It's, it's essentially where. HR marries up sales, so it's really talking about uh, opportunities and uh, people's careers and so on, which I found really interesting. So I stayed in that role uh, in that company actually for for seven years. But during those years, I realised that some of the clients that we were working with, um, we were working with the likes of Deloitte and Accenture and SAP and IBM and so on. It was all tech recruiting. Uh, I, I realised that some of these companies had more of a, um, should I say, attraction power. They were they, they were more of a magnet to candidates, whereas others you could get them through the interviews, you could get them a really good offer, but for some reason they didn't take that offer. So I thought, huh, there must be something in there around employer brand, about around reputation, talent attraction. So uh, yeah, back in 2010, I um, I left the world of recruitment and went full-time doing uh, employer branding. And uh, that's where we are today. That's, you know, that's fascinating because you talked about the idea. You said naturally you ended up in sales. I think that's usually when a lot of times people are trying to figure out what they want to do. There's always uh, some sales job. They say, hey, well, you can make commission or you could do this. Uh, but um, you left recruiting, you said, for employer branding. Now, mm. what exactly is employer branding? <laughs> Very good question. So I think... Um, um, First of all, if we take one step back, we take three letters out there and uh, what is employer brand? Mm-hmm. So employer brand to me is uh, the, the reputation of a company in, in an employment context. And the thing is with reputation is that uh, you don't actually own it. You can perhaps influence it, but ultimately it's what other people say about you uh, when you're not in the room, as, as Jeff Bezos says. 
So it's really how candidates, employees, and alumni, how they feel about the organization uh, in an employment context. So that's employer brand. And employer branding is the activity of trying to manage the brand or trying to influence the brand and perhaps trying to pull out some of the, the positive and the, the good stories around what it's like to work for this company and also try to spread the brand further um, to people who may not be aware of your company as an employer. And uh, this is something I think employer brand has become uh, really topical because so many traditional companies are now realizing that they need to shift gears and recruit tech talent, digital talent, um, millennials and all this stuff. So they really have to change their tack and really think about what it's like to work for for the company and what makes them special. And that's really how employer branding helps out. That's it's, it's so interesting as well, because if you look at the last few years, we've seen, you know, big, big established companies like Pepsi, H&M, you know, Starbucks, you know, recently, all these companies that have done, you, you never would expect any, uh, you know, I guess now you can sort of expect full pause, but sometimes you still get surprised by some of the things that do affect the brand and whether H&M with the, you know, the monkey and the jungle shirt or, you know, Pepsi mm. with Kendall Jenner coming out to sort of represent Black Lives Matter. I, I'm very curious from your point of view, what you think is happening when you see these things that ultimately do affect the brand of those uh, of those uh, of those companies yeah that's, that's a good question I, I think um, companies make uh, poor choices all the time uh, in terms of uh, advertising campaigns or just bad taste or uh, in the case of Facebook as well just you know le leaking uh, consumer data and right. so on so companies they they do have reputational issues to deal with on an ongoing basis. Sometimes they screw up big time. And I think it's more about how they deal with it, how they own up to uh, the mistake and, and actually say that, yeah, we are going to um, work, work it through and it's not going to happen again. Um, so, for instance, Facebook, I'm talking about Facebook because it's a recent example, um, but uh, Mark Zuckerberg, when, when the scandal about Cambridge Analytica, all this... Um, um, all this data being leaked when that came out then he was quiet for five days and Sheryl Sandberg is known for you know leading leaning into management and all this stuff she didn't say a word either so it was really down to everyone to speculate what's going on and so on and that, that was that, to me that was really a sign of really poor leadership so uh, I think Facebook is going to survive because because the sheer size of Facebook but uh, if it had been a, a smaller company more of a, a uh, a challenger that I could have uh, broken the whole business. Yeah, no, and you're right. I mean, Facebook is one of those companies that's you know they're, they're behemoth. I, you know, they're it's like I'm sure if something like this happened to Amazon, it's or Apple, those ones will survive. But what what, what happens when it's a smaller company? You know, why does employer branding matter? You know, how or, you know. Mm. Yeah, so when you're a smaller company, then you probably won't have enough funds to compete on, on salary, for instance, may, may not have the best benefits, might not have the fanciest office. So you might want to highlight other things such as uh, purpose, you know, why are we doing this? What, what, what's the end game? And uh, perhaps the, the culture and the people and the community around the company. So people have, might have a very different feeling, experience working for the company so uh, you, you want to if you're a small company 
yeah, you don't want to go up against the, the behemoths and say, you know, we can offer you X, Y, and Z. You don't want to get into a bid war, an auction. Yeah. Instead, try to go for the sort of softer option. So uh, perhaps if you are in the tech space or in the growth um, growth trajectory, then you, you could perhaps offer uh, shares or some sort of option scheme so that people can take part in, in the growth uh, journey. Uh, so it's really looking at what are, what, what, what's unique about your company and uh, from an employment perspective and what, what's the unique um, combination of, uh, of those factors and really working in that, that your narrative around that. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, what you just said there was essentially a probably overlooked benefit of employer branding is the reduced cost per hire. I mean, mm. that, that's, that's essentially what I was hearing. I mean, maybe that's not what you meant to say, but, um, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so there, it comes in two ways, actually. So first, first one is reduce hiring costs. Mm-hmm. So that if you have more of a magnetic brand, if people uh, seek, seek out your company and uh, apply direct, then that means you will have less reliance on advertising, which can cost a lot of money, and also less reliance perhaps on third-party recruitment firms. So, uh, which big organizations use all the time. So that you can straight away see costs being slashed there. And then number two, as you rightly pointed out, salary costs. So ultimately what you're looking for is the ability to hire above average talent at average salaries. So I, I, wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't champion trying to undercut other companies and say, you know, we're the best, so that, that's why you need to take a lower salary. Sure. I, in, in, instead, I would say, you know, we, we, we pay a good salary just like everyone else, but if you choose to come and work here, uh, that will be for other reasons. It's not going to be because you're chasing that they're just one more dollar. Right, right. No, yeah, no, I, I love it. And I can definitely see to, you know, further that why a smaller company will fare a lot less than a larger company because, you know, when, when it happened to Uber, a year and a half ago, you know, they were a billion-dollar enough company where they could spend a lot of money to sort of, you know, try to mitigate. We'll get, you know, Ariana Huffington. We'll, we'll do all this diversity programs, do all that. If it was another mm-hmm. company, that could have like really bankrupted them. That could have bankrupted uh, uh, them as well, especially when you go through losing your CEO and then getting another board member and then all that process. So um, it's very important to be mindful. So even though a lot of companies are thinking, ha, huh, employee brand. It's not really a big deal. It does play um, a big role. Can you talk a little bit more about some mistakes companies make with their branding? Um, well, I think the, yeah, the, the big mistake is to jump straight into the activation and the campaigns around employer branding. So creating content and um, paying thousands of dollars in, in advertising for Facebook ads or LinkedIn ads and so on, without actually really thinking, taking one step back and looking at the, the overall strategy. So why are we doing this? What's special about us? Uh, who are we actually trying to attract? Try to future-proof your strategy as well, so looking into the next three years. What are some of our uh, the target groups that we really need to catch? So, so yeah, I, I see companies spending a, an awful lot of money just blanketing a marketplace Whereas, um, yeah, it's, it's not targeted enough. It's uh, it, it's not a strategy that's actually going to give very good return on investment. But um, yeah. Unfo- yeah, unfortunately, it, it's it's kind of easy when you're on there, when you're on the business manager on Facebook. It's easy to just um, you know start spending a bit of money and see some metrics happening, and you think yeah, your your employee branding is rolling. But uh, you could be 
increasing the efficiency so much by, by doing it strategically. Yeah, and another thing that I see a lot of times is some companies simply advertise on job boards. Mm. And, and right, and I don't know if you'll agree with me, but those those aren't effective anymore because I mean, you just you were talking about the increased demand for talent all over the world, and I you know I as someone who is in the millennial generation, I I go and you know I consult and speak often to several companies, and a lot of times, you know, there's this uh, divide where people are like. I know there are a lot of options for me to do things on my own, whether it's the gig economy or to build my personal brand and sort of turn that into, um, you know, a whole career. And then on the other hand, the companies are like, how can I get some of those people into my company? And so if you're just blanket and simply advertising on job boards, you're not necessarily <laughs> going to find a lot of us there. <laughs> uh, no. And I mean, it, yeah, because we don't know what your strengths are. We don't know why we should work for you or something like that. So, yeah. yeah, and I think some of the job boards are they're, they're clocked onto this now. I mean, the the, uh, the 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 good the good good times for job boards were probably five years ago. Now they realise that they have to offer more than just job job postings. So some of them are now giving you like a company page on on Indeed, for instance, or Glassdoor, and where you can put in some of your branding materials and videos and all these things. So so it's, it becomes a bit more of, a, of an outpost. So ultimately, a company will want you to come to their career page, so they're, they're, the the actual website, and apply there because it's easy for them to track. But yeah, it becomes a, another outpost. And I, I would say around around job job boards, uh, that I mean, there are far too many of them out there. And now also Google have just launched uh, Google for Jobs. So uh, I think a lot of the job searches uh, moving forward are going to be happening. They already happen at Google, but previously Google have been then. Um, referring you to a job board or career site somewhere. But now Google are going to scrape everything and doing it themselves. So, yeah, it's going to be tough times for, for job boards. Okay. All right. Well, you know, when Google gets involved, it's always, uh, it's always interesting. Um, okay. Yeah. So there's something studying your work. I, I saw that you talk a lot about it. employer value proposition. Yeah. Right? Yeah. What is or EVP? What is that? Yeah, so the EBP is is essentially your articulation. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Of uh, the employer brand. So that is where you pull out, uh, the way it works is you, you, you pull out, um, you, look, you map out the employer brand. What is the employer experience? Uh, what do people really think about working here? So that's good, bad, and ugly. And then you try to draw out perhaps three to five of these pillars 
which, uh, let's say, one could be flexible work is um, really good here, or career opportunities, or uh, the, the opportunity to um, uh, work on um, CSR projects and so on. So it's trying to pull together that unique combination of what makes this your company better than, than the competitor, or at least uh, hopefully to, to candidates. And then also... Um, communicate or writing up the, the guidelines around this so you have the the pillars you have a tagline so this is what it's like to work for us and then also how do you then articulate that in terms of a, a visual language so what type of imagery should be used what even down to what um, fonts should be used uh, tone of voice and all of that so it's really coming up with a, a brand strategy for your talent communications and uh, yeah, I mean, this could be a three to six month project, and depending on the size of the organisation, it, it can be it can be fairly complex. And uh, especially if your company is in different countries and trades in the different names and so on, that's, that's further layers of complexity. But uh, it's super useful to have this in place before you start activating things on social media and other places. Right, right. Definitely gives people an idea of what what it's like to work. For your company and you're so right with the uh the different you know different companies you know you could be no sorry same company with different countries you know there are certain mm. nuances and subtleties and if you can't communicate that effectively it, it can you, you're missing out on, on on you know a good way to attract um uh, people as well so hmm. mm. uh, yeah so, so i would say on a, an effective evp will be will be an overall let's say global evp but then you want to give countries and um, companies, so, so uh, subsidiaries, the freedom to actually tailor that. So uh, you have one for the US, uh, but that doesn't have to look exactly the same in Sweden because Sweden might have different uh, local varieties to it. But it should, um, the, the red thread should be there, and uh, you should recognize it's the same company, but uh, tailored to, to local conditions. Brilliant, 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 brilliant. And if anyone is even more curious about what employer branding is, you know, Jorgen hosts an amazing podcast called Employer Branding Podcast, right? Is that, is that correct? And, so, yes, it's a very apt name, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it couldn't be more apt. And it's one that I listen to often is um, someone was in a similar field, just, you know, and he brings a lot of people uh, on there to talk about, he's almost at 200 episodes. He brings a lot of people to talk about, you know, what that looks like on a, definitely a global scale and we just hear a lot of insight. So if this is something you're interested in, whether you're an HR leader, recruiter, whatever it is that you're interested in, uh, whatever field you are, I'd say you are in the, in, um, in the company, it's definitely something that you should be aware of just because one of the best ways other than profits is to make sure you have productive employees and ones that stay and that you can retain. And so this is one of the uh, best podcasts out there for that. So Definitely. Yeah, pleasure's there. I'll, I'll put that in the show notes as well. Let's talk about uh, another thing that you talk about often, which is employee advocacy. And you mm. published a book titled Employee Advocacy, The Ultimate Handbook. What is that? That's the one, yes. So employee advocacy is, I think it's been around for probably the last 10 years. It's just that the title has, uh, uh, well, the, the, the concept has got its uh, name in the last couple of years, probably. So employee advocacy is really... Uh, working with employees, so it's the staff of an organization, to encourage them to use um, digital media, so social media, um, probably most common, uh, to, to talk about the company. So to talk about 
company in, in different respects. So that could be talking about um, products, or about services, about jobs, about the employer brand, about culture, perhaps about news as well. And so it's about equipping employees with, with confidence. So perhaps um, running some internal workshops, talking about the, the power of social media and uh, how it can actually help you as an individual, uh, for your own personal brand, if you start talking about um, the, the industry and about your company or places like Twitter and LinkedIn. Uh, and also, it will then rub off on the, on the company brand, of course, because people from the outside and the inside, they will see that, uh, oh, this seems to be a place where there's lots of engaged employees who are happy to talk about the organization. Um, so try to, uh, I would say, try to provide people with some training around how to do this effectively uh, and also to, to give people a trust and say, you know, here are some guidelines. However, ultimately, these are your social media channels. Uh, you can do what you like on them <laughs> uh, within, within reason, of course. And uh, we, we trust that you will do the right thing. And then, um, then you'd be amazed about how, how people really uh, t- t- pick that up and, and really activate it on your behalf. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I spoke to... Um, uh, Merck, the, the pharma company, um, in the other week on my podcast actually, and uh, they were really talking about um, that, that's exactly what they do. They're a company in a very regulated industry um, and uh, can seem seen as very traditional, but the, the way that they've transformed their whole employee brand is through employee advocacy. So really training people, giving them the trust. And also gamification. So you could even do lead, leaderboards and say, okay, so who's done the, the best tweets, tweets this this month, or right. who is who who got the most clicks on their updates and so on, just just for fun, really. Yeah. No. This this is amazing. And with the platforms you're talking about, is there any particular social media that you've seen is the best platform to use? This? Is it Instagram? Is it Twitter? Is it I don't know, LinkedIn, Facebook? Yeah. So. You're going to hate the answer, but it depends. <laughs> I, actually do, I actually do understand that answer because I do, yeah. I do think um, it does depend. Uh, but I was curious in, in your research because, you, you know, since you wrote the book, I didn't know if there was. Yeah, I mean, typically, the, the, yeah, the companies that we work with will be large enterprises, so 10,000 employees and more. And for them, LinkedIn would be number one because it's the, the B2B network. Mm-hmm. And I think Twitter is also very handy for especially to network with people who you may not know so well, whereas LinkedIn is a bit more you kind of know people you let into your network. Right. And uh, Twitter is it, more an open chat. Uh, but uh, also, increasingly, uh, Instagram super super useful um, because you can people use hashtags very effectively. So, if you are a company and if you want to start creating sort of community around employee engagement, then you probably want to have your own hashtag. So, uh, Adobe Life, for instance, hashtag Adobe Life is an example. If you click on that hashtag or on Instagram or on Twitter, you'll see lots of employees doing updates about what it's like to work for Adobe, about the culture, events, and stuff that they're doing. And uh, that, that's a super helpful way to also be able to, to measure how many people are using uh, uh, these uh, hashtags on a, on a monthly basis. So, uh, yeah, Instagram would probably be up there with, with, with Twitter and LinkedIn as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, the you hashtags especially are... are essentially what keywords are or tags are on Facebook, what keywords are to Google. 
And it's mm. also a great way when you have a custom one to have UGC or user generated content. And, you know, whether that improves your brand awareness, but it also would due to the gamification, you can run competitions towards that. You can create a community and, you know, you, you can have a, a whole sort of, um, slew of, of information that you might not have, have initially intended when you started, but you can sort of see what your, your fans do, you know, people that use your hashtag like and what they don't like. And then you can, that, that can inform a lot of your next brand and efforts. Yeah, absolutely. So you, you hit the nail on the head that user generated uh, information, so content. Um, so I think it looks so much more authentic and real from the outside. If someone is considering either partnering up with your company or buying some services from you or joining as an employee, if they can click on a hashtag where they can see that people are happily sharing interesting updates and that they actually seem to be happy with that company, that's going to mean a lot in that decision-making process. Um, so, yeah, super important. 100%. Um, let's think about – now, I want to talk about um, your personal career. Actually, your personal life in, in general where it relates to you. You said the Sweden and the, the London. Are you Swedish enough? Are you British enough? I, I obviously relate a lot to this where uh, I, you know a lot of times people can't quite place me or mm-hmm. I have – Sometimes a mostly American accent, and then you, it's like a mix of some European and then some Nigerian. It's because that's, you know, still just the way I grew up. But initially, no one ever thinks I'm Nigerian. And then you go back to Nigeria. I'm only Nigerian. And then people are like, well, are you Nigerian? And so it, yeah. it's, it's always back and forth where, where I, I remember that's what set me down this path when I was a 10 year old kid to sort of figure out what it's like to actually have true culture competency, because I believe that that's how we can actually become. Um, true global leaders. I'm curious from your perspective, your point of view, how that has played out in your personal life and in your career and what you've done to sort of bridge those uh, interesting uh, cultural gaps or divides. Well, it's yeah, it's interesting. So when I moved out to London um, some time ago, 15 years ago, then I had a few Swedish friends from back home and other places. And one by one, they all sort of moved either back to Sweden or somewhere else. And so then for about... 10 years probably I just didn't have any friends from Sweden and I was living a very un-Swedish life but now I've got kids so three and five years old now again it's um, you know coming back to the Swedish heritage I wanted them to learn Swedish and Swedish uh, customs and all these things so now I'm trying to push the Swedish agenda pretty hard um, so yeah I've tried to um, just um, combine the, the, the two cultures and uh also, uh, I, I think from the outside, people say, "Oh, wow, you're you're Swedish. Oh, wow, oh, you know, really loves Swedish culture. Or, I love ABBA, or I love this and that." Um, <laughs> typically, the, the connotation of being Swedish is, is usually very positive, which um, uh, I've been told that I should use that more in my uh, you know, business life. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of how I, I try to handle it, but. Uh, I mean, I also lived in, uh, so I lived in the U.S. for a year. I lived in Germany for a year and a half as well. So um, I feel connected to a, a few different places here and there. And, uh, yeah, just try to pick, yeah, pick the cherries from, from, from each place. That's probably, I'll try to make sense of it. Yeah. No, no. And, it, I mean, in my experience as well, because um, my brother was born in Sweden. When <laughs> People always joke because, obviously, there are not, not, they're not a lot of people that look like me in Sweden. That's the that's that's what they said. And I was at a presentation, and someone said, um, 
someone was saying something like, I, I went to Sweden, this is a white gentleman, said, I, I, didn't, I think I only saw two black people. And then I said, yeah, I, I was probably one of those two black people. And uh, he was like, oh, my goodness, I didn't realize that you were, you were born there because I'm, I'm used to just tall, blonde, uh, blue-eyed. Now, that's a stereotype. How can you correct some of these stereotypes that people have about Scandinavian in general or Sweden? Because I imagine it's not just tall, blonde, blue-eyed. No, I, I, I think, uh, I mean, that's, that's, that is a stereotype. So actually, my, my wife, she's, uh, she's, she's English. And when we went to Sweden the first time, uh, to Stockholm, she had that. Um, she she thought everyone would be blonde, blue eyed, really tall, mm. and so on. But that's if you get in Stockholm, that that's that's not what people look like. Yeah. Uh, but I think you, if you're out in the, in the countryside, then, then yes, perhaps yes, a bit yes. a bit more so. But I think uh, Sweden does a fantastic job at being very diverse and and very a very equal society as well. Yeah, and and uh, I mean, you can follow on Twitter, for instance, it's at Sweden and a, f- a few different accounts where they're they're really um, um, I think I think it's very very inclusive culture is being projected on there. Absolutely, and, uh, and yeah. I think Sweden Sweden's really trying to yeah. I think Sweden has really strong culture, uh, but it's also very inclusive and, and welcoming. Uh, I mean, the, the, com- the country took on a lot of refugees from uh, Syria a couple of years ago, actually more than, than Germany. The Germany took in about a million. Sweden, I, I didn't take in more uh, in, in real numbers, but it took in more proportionally. So uh, it took in a couple of hundred thousand, and that's, that's a lot of people for a, com- uh, a country with only nine million people. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a diverse place. So uh, I think you, you and me, we, we should go back there. Uh, you a, should. For, we should. For an ex- expedition. <laughs> I absolutely want to do that because I, I do agree with you on, on the sense that, um, you know, Sweden, Sweden, Norway, Finland, a lot of these policies, whether it's with equality, gender equality, all these things, or with employer branding even, they're studied. Yep. You know, because there's a lot of interest in policies that you all have towards egalitarian um uh, rule that a lot of people are like, maybe we should try it like Sweden does it, or we should do it uh, like yeah, like um, Finland does it. So I also, and I also love the fact that you highlighted diversity. Uh, the best Swedish player that I know is Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Yes, uh, for sure. So yeah, and he he looks completely different uh, than what you would normally think a, a Swedish person is. So yeah, I love it. Yeah, he's a. I mean, he's a funny guy in English, but in, especially in Swedish too. Because you know, he's 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 got a Bosnian origin, I think. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but he speaks with a really thick uh, Malmo accent, so the South Sweden accent. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I'm I'm a huge Manchester United fan. So I loved when he was here. Uh, you know, Manchester United is my favorite sports fr- uh, franchise of all time. So the the whole third person Zlatan is this. I am here. <laughs> and, and even when he's here right now, is now he's here in the states, and you know he's obviously had that brilliant goal on his first game. But um, he does a good job of making cocky funny, so no one gets yeah, mad yeah. at him because <laughs> it's like it's just confident. That's just Latin. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, no, but no, this this is amazing. So the ways that people can reach out to you are what. Well, uh, check out the podcast at employerbrandingpodcast.com or go to linkhumans.com to learn more about uh, my company or just uh, hit me up on uh, on Twitter or, or LinkedIn. I'm very, very happy to to uh, exchange messages. All right. All right. This has been a, uh, an amazing episode. I loved 
just how you took us on the journey of what employee uh, employee advocacy is and what employer branding is and just even uh, maybe potentially dispelling some stereotypes and encouraging people to actually check out uh, Sweden more because it is it is, yeah. it is, it is a <laughs> It's a beautiful country, especially from what I remember, and uh, definitely one I need to go visit. So um, really, really excited that you came on. I, I always ask my guests this question. This is the last question. And my mission statement, the mission statement for what I do and my foundation essentially is uh, use your difference to make a difference. This is my, my reason for anything oh, that I do today. Like it. Oh, thank you. Uh, yeah, it's a mission statement of my company. So I always ask my guests that question. How do you, uh, Jorgen, use your, your difference to make a difference? Oh, gosh. Uh, good question. Well, I mean, uh, so I'll, I'll counter with my mission statement is to, to make the world of work a better place. And I think uh, that has manifested itself in, in very some different ways. Um, so, I mean, I, I try to just instill you know, good work practices, good workplace practices and uh, uh, things like you know, diversity and inclusion or whether it's you know, health and well-being, all these things that uh, the good, you know, good positive forces. And if we can instill that in the workplace, then, uh, then yeah, my, but then I feel that I'm making a, a, a contribution. And um, so I think my, my difference is, yeah, perhaps that uh, I've got an international background and I, and I try to, you know, sh- share all the uh, the tips and, and strategies that uh, I learn in, in different ways, blogging and writing books and, and uh, doing podcasts. So hopefully it makes a difference by being different. Absolutely. You've certainly made a difference in my life with some of the, with some of the episodes. I love it, but I, I think you contribute in such a, a grand way in the sense that, like I was saying at the beginning, if we really look at your life, a lot of what you spend your life doing is working. And you're helping to create yeah. safe environments for that. So you're essentially touching the lives of, of millions and, and uh, millions of people and making it uh, an effective and efficient place for them to, to be themselves. So definitely love that. And uh, thank you for being you. Thank you, Tyler. Thank you so much for having me. Pleasure is mine, ladies and gentlemen. Till next time, use your difference to make a difference. You've just been listening to the As Told by Nomads podcast. For more ways to reach out to Tayo and to use your difference to make a difference, head over to www.tayoroxon.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.